Coming up on today's show, Joe and I break down the huge Browns win over the Falcons that was all thanks to the presence of the Tomahawk. Also, we're joined by our buddy and former NFL quarterback Bruce Gradkowski, who talks all things Week 10, including the biggest storyline surrounding QBs this NFL weekend. Plus, we play another edition of Am I Trippin'? All that and more on Monday's edition of The Tomahawk Show. Fans, take us away. Yo, what up, Joe and Hawk, Nat, and Verm, even? I just want to say I love you guys because you talk about the things that no one else wants to. Also, is Baker Mayfield only good because he wears six, like Brian Hoyer? All right, peace. Hey, y'all. Uh, so I'm in Cleveland. I came from Atlanta, and uh, I'm pretty sure I just saw a Hawk shotgunning a Mountain Dew. I'm not sure if that was actually him or... Somebody else shotgunning him out, dude. But I thought he quit. Call me back. Cleveland Browns, face Browns. Cleveland Browns, face Browns. Go Browns. Welcome back to the Tomahawk Show presented by Uninterrupted. Make sure you interact with the show on social, Instagram and Twitter, at Tomahawk Show. Use our hashtag, hashtag Tomahawk, to send all your thoughts, all your comments, Look, we got a little bit of a switch up today. Joe, my humble co-host, a guy who's played in over 38 Pro Bowls, is a little late. He's out hunting right now. While he made fun of me last week about my modeling day job, my face model job, he is out hunting and he is not here for the opening. But he will join us later in the show to recap everything that was Tomahawk Weekend live at First Energy Stadium with the Browns and their big W over top of the Atlanta Falcons. But joining me today... We have quarterback connoisseur, probably the best quarterback in NFL history, to help us kick this important episode of the Tomahawk off, Bruce Gradkowski. Bruce, how you doing today, man? My man, I'm good. You know, Joe Thomas out hunting, that's what rich guys do. You know, you're still trying to make a career for yourself, so you're trying to make some money modeling. I get it. I know, man. Just trying to make ends meet. Joe is just way too rich for his own blood. Yeah, he gets to go have fun. What's he, you know, puts a pretty vest on and goes hunting. And so, tell me this, Bruce: Are you auditioning to take Joe's job? Yes or no? I'm always auditioning, Hawk. I mean, yeah. I love Joe, but it is the Tomahawk Show. It's it's <laughs> the best podcast out there. So we I just mean, got you, nominated for another Grammy. So that's that's perfect timing. Yeah. So anytime you get the opportunity to be on the Tomahawk Show, you know, you're always auditioning. So what have you been doing? Are you just so bored that we could call you at 8 in the morning and you were able to answer? Or what do you have going on in life? Yeah, no, I mean, right now, uh, the last few weekends, I'll go to CBS on on uh, Fridays, work a little college football over the weekend, some studio work, you know, trying mm. to get my face out there. Yeah, a lot of people. It won't work. And I think you were one of them that said I had a face for radio. So I'm yeah. trying to get this <laughs> get this ugly mug on TV a little bit. The face for podcasting. Do you miss playing in the <laughs> NFL, Bruce? Although you didn't play for like your last nine years in the league. I miss the paychecks, Hawk. I miss do, do, the you think, do you think there are a lot of quarterbacks you're better than right now in the NFL that you can go in there and still be better than them? Yeah, absolutely. Name two right now. Um, your boy, Nathan <laughs> Peterman. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, my boy? That was your pick. Can we talk about that? Going into this draft, that was your, your Cinderella pick. You said he was going to turn a lot of heads when he got to the league. And you were right about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, that was factual, right? We we turned a lot of heads. Yeah, we turned know, I th- like huh? I, I thought I thought he was the most NFL ready and it, ready, and it's it's really frustrating because I watch him in the preseason. He plays well, and then he comes out in the season in, in the game against the Texans. He throws like a, a hitch versus cover two, and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? So I've I've been I've been frustrated because he has the abilities, you know, and it's just look. And you know, Hawk, it's about being in the right situation with the right players around you, all that. Of course, um, his play hasn't been the greatest, if not, you know, the the worst ever uh, by a quarterback. <laughs> I thought I heard had the worst quarterback rating, but I think he may have me beat. He may have you beat. But you know what's funny? This is how you know he's a backup quarterback because most good backups 
only play well in the preseason. And it's like you play really good in the preseason, you never have to go in, and then you just last in NFL for 20 years if you want to. But it's <laughs> right. when they had to put, when they decided to start him, that's when things just, the wheels fell off the wagon. I feel like I was the opposite, too. I feel like I, like, played shitty, and coaches were like, well, you know, he's a gamer, and they trusted me. And then when I did get my opportunity, like when I was with the Raiders in actual games, it was like, oh, okay, he, he can play a little bit. And then my sorry I, ass couldn't stay healthy. All you got to do is prove you can play a little bit. Speaking of the Bills, the Bills put up 41 on the Jets. Matt Barkley comes in off of a golf course and <laughs> leads them to a victory, which looks like I guess, Jim Kelly. I guess dispels the notion that the whole Bills team is bad, and that's why uh, the quarterbacks have looked so bad because Barkley comes in and does that. But anyway, what were your thoughts on that? You got any takes on the Jets v. Bills? I didn't watch I this game, obviously. No, I think Coach Bulls, though, I mean, that's a tough loss if you're Jets fans because you're you're hearing all this stuff about the Bills, how bad, bad they are. They barely can score. They, they've only had uh, five touchdowns, only up to eight touchdowns in nine games, and then they have five touchdowns as a team yesterday. I mean, they just kind of – they just rolled over the Jets, and uh, it was kind of embarrassing. It's a good thing the Jets are going into their bye week because there's a lot of decisions. I wouldn't be surprised if Bulls starts – firing some coaches yeah he, I mean, he's got to do it before they get him speak i mean i know Darnold <laughs> didn't play but what are your what are your take on Darnold? because i have an opinion that if it wasn't for that like prime time game against the lions where he played well people would be right. already calling him a bust because i don't think he's played well since then you know i i like Darnold. i liked him coming out i feel like he was a competitor uh you know and and lately though i i feel like I felt like this break with him being injured for a few weeks could help and him get to watch Josh McCown, but that didn't work out too well on Sunday. So, you know, I, I still think it's early. I'm a fan of his. I'm not going to give up on him just yet because I think what he brings to the table is is that poise, that knack to, to be a playmaker. So I'm going to, you know, be a little patient with him right now and not, not say he's, he's a bust. I think um, I still think he's going to be a good young quarterback. I think you have to continue to surround him with weapons, uh, with play calling, well, with the right situations, and uh, and he can succeed just like any any quarterback. But I, I still think it's too young to, or too early to say he's a bust. Yeah, I see that. Now we're in the this is the middle of our three and out segment, so we'll go right to second down. Tennessee, Mike Vrabel smashed the Patriots thirty four to ten. Any takeaways from that game, B? Man, I love it. I love it. I mean, <laughs> a, a former player rubbing it in his coach's face. And the best part about it was the Patriots called that reverse throwback to Brady who caught it. Right when he caught it, he kind of started stumbling around and falling before the first down. <clears throat> in the minute Tennessee gets the ball back, what's Vrabel do? He calls the exact same play to Mariota, a reverse throwback pass to the quarterback. Mariota coach catches it, of course looks athletic, trots out of bounds for a first down. <laughs> and it was just like Vrabel rubbing it in Belichick's face. And because they're the more physical team. Look, if Tennessee and and I'm not super high on Mariota, but the thing about him is if he could play solid ball, protect the football, make some key third down conversions and and, and really protect that football, but make plays with his legs he's dangerous because he has a very good defense behind him and this is an all-around good football team in the Tennessee Titans and we saw it on Sunday what's the what's the Patriots record they're they're two losses they lost to the Lions seven they lost and three seven and three who was the third loss I know two of them are former Patriots because the Lions he lost to the Lions and he lost to the Tennessee Titans do former Patriots guys have Belichick number <laughs> they don't beat anybody else but it seems they always beat Belichick which is weird his pupils well, well, and you saw Deion Lewis came out and said, well, that's because uh, the Patriots go go cheap over there. <laughs> Dude, I like that. I know. I I'm, not, I, I'm not lying. I love it. You know he was up for that game. He was mad he wasn't paid. and <laughs> you, just don't see, you don't see players rubbing it in Belichick's face as much as you would think they would. Oh, well, when Amadola signed with the, the Dolphins, he starts talking crap and – uh, now Deion Lewis is doing with the Titans. But I think, look, I think when you're in that building in New England, you appreciate the fact that you're prepared and you win. But it's miserable. It's, Hawk, you were there for a little bit. You know what I, mean? I was it's, a former, I'm a former Patriot <laughs> to the day I died, Bruce. Don't you ever get it twisted. <laughs> you were talking to a champion 
right now. I, well, I knew it a couple. I played with champions for a couple weeks there, so I am a former Patriot champion. You you played with Super Bowl champions. Yes, me and Tom five, Brady, man. We five can, times Super Bowl champions. Andrew Hawkins was a teammate. I, I caught at least seven passes from Tom Brady over a two-month span. So he called me Bubs one time, so that automatically <laughs> put me in a fraternity. Let me take a pause real quick and introduce a couple of our co-hosts, which I, like I said, I'm Joe's not here, and I don't know which way is up. We got the firm here. We got Nat here. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing great. Early morning over in L.A. Well, we're going to get to you, Nat, later in this episode when Joe joins us back because we got a bone to pick with you and we have a lot to talk about. Oh, Firm, no. how you doing? Firm, how you doing fresh off a of Browns win? Man, I'm great. I'll tell you what. There's nothing like the rare Sunday slash Monday following a Browns win. It doesn't happen often. So when it does happen, it really feels like I'm a whole new man. So I'm, I'm doing great. I think that uh, I know you guys will talk about this later, but... I mean, Hawk, you and Joe are just going to have to come to every home game now, maybe every away game, too. I don't know what's going on, but you guys I, you guys I had the crowd hype. I just need – I can get paid to do anything. Let me put that out there. Mr. Haslam, <laughs> if, Jimmy Has, Mr. Jimmy Haslam, if you're listening, there is not a, a price that I will turn down to just come to Browns games. I'll cancel all my other jobs if you just want me in the building because I think the hype-up speech that me and Joe said got the players motivated. They were so happy to see us and – it only made sense. But again, we'll we'll get to that when Joe joins us live from from the mobile Tomahawk feed. We'll go into third down real quick. Bruce, the Bucks racked up 480 yards of offense and only three points and a loss to the Redskins. How the hell does that happen? You know, man, he he just turns the ball over. Fits magic. Fits tragic yesterday. You hey, can't turn the ball over like with the pun. Bruce with the pun. But you know, I, I don't know. This Tampa Bay team. You know, they were moving offensively, but that's what – even when you look at the numbers and they, they played well on third down, 60% to the Redskins, 38%. You know, when I see stats like that, I'm going to assume you're moving the football up and down the field. But when you don't convert in key situations in, in red zones and when you have four turnovers in a football game, that's catastrophic because, you're, you know, uh, our man Alex Smith is going to protect the football, take check downs all day long and be cautious with the ball. And they find a way to pull it out. I mean, I think this is a huge win for the Redskins that I continue to uh, doubt, you know, because they still have to play the Eagles twice on their their schedule. And I think, um, and with the Eagles going down last night to the Cowboys, you know, they're they're in yeah. a hole right now to try to come back. So, but it, it is. I mean, I don't know what's going over there in Tampa. I got drafted there, so I had some good moments. But uh, Fitzmagic, what was your what was your record in Tampa uh, overall? Like, Four and twelve. I mean, that, oh, that's yeah, what are great moments. Great man. I mean, why aren't you the starter there? What happened when you were in Tampa? How many? You were there for two years. You started as a rookie. You bought out. Yeah, started as a rookie. Eleven games. That's when Chris Sims ruptured his spleen. But before that, I had John Gruden during training camp. Look, I'm a young rookie, Hawk. I, you know how I am. I'm like a gym rat. I'm just loving this stuff. Like loving all the <laughs> the time I'm spending with Gruden a, and. It's a Pittsburgh meathead is what you are. Go ahead. A Pittsburgh meathead with film and football and just loving <laughs> Coach Gruden and his meetings and how entertaining he is. And he would come up to me, though, during, this is during training camp. Like, Chris Sims is his starter. Chris Sims just won him a playoff game the year before. And he's coming up to me. He's like, you're my man. I love you, man. You, sh- you should be the starter. You should be the starter. And I'm thinking, because I was, I was doing well, like, in the preseason and – you know, preseason games, training camp, all that. I, I picked up the offense pretty fast. And uh, and I brought a little more dynamic. You know, I was athletic enough where I could scramble out and make some plays. And so he would say this stuff, and I'm all like, man, Chris is your starter. So then when Sims ruptured his spleen, I get the opportunity to play. And my first start was in the Superdome, which went well. And then after that, it kind of just, you know, you start overthinking things as a young player and trying to do too much and kind of goes downhill from there, Hawk. <laughs> and here I am, co-hosting the Tomahawk Show. That's usually how it happens, man. Exactly. Don't worry, but anybody Gruden coaches is, is sucks this year as well. So don't worry about that, Bruce. It's time for another MTV Movie Awards nominee-worthy edition of Am I Trippin'? Am I Trippin'? Am I Trippin'? Am I Trippin'? Am I Trippin', dog? Am I Trippin'? I gotta be Trippin'. 
All right, thank you very much, Hawk. Um, guys, first one up. Andrew Luck yesterday throws three touchdowns against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Last week, he threw three touchdowns against the Raiders, and the week before that, he threw four touchdowns against the Buffalo Bills. So my question to you guys is, am I tripping, or is Andrew Luck the best quarterback in the AFC South right now? Man, I'm going to say you're tripping. Now, I think he's the best AFC South quarterback overall, but not right now. And, yes, he hasn't gotten sacked in the last four weeks, which is a lot of credit to Frank Reich and that offensive line and that scheme. But look at what Marcus Mariota's doing in Tennessee. Look at with what uh, uh, Deshaun Watson is doing with the Houston Texans. They're winning. And I don't know, Hawk, is he better than Bortles? I mean, that's just a joke, of course. <laughs> Well, you got to give a lot of credit to Marcus Mariota and what he's doing in Tennessee and they're winning. And same with Watson in Houston. So it's just hard to put Andrew Luck, even though he is the most talented, I think, physically as a quarterback, mind and arm and arm talent accuracy. But with the Houston Texans, Tennessee Titans right now, the way they're playing, I can't discredit their quarterbacks. I don't think you're I don't think you're tripping for this reason. Yes, I think Deshaun Watson is the most talented. I think Mariota probably has the most all-around uh, web or team with a, with a great defense. I think Andrew Luck is the best quarterback. He has a noodle arm, and when you have a noodle arm, you're just throwing wobbly balls, as Bruce would know, as a, <laughs> as a pioneer of the noodle arm gang. I have but, a lot of experience with that. Yes, you, you're the king of the noodle arms. Your timing is impeccable. But Andrew Luck just physically – he doesn't have what Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson still has that zip. Obviously, he's a mobile quarterback, and he's still developing. We're not even seeing close to what Deshaun Watson can become. So in the grand scheme, Deshaun Watson will be better. But Andrew Luck right now, he's playing really, really good football. All right, guys, next up. Um, Pat Mahomes was able to take the Kansas City Chiefs to 9-1 and yesterday after they beat the Cardinals, but sort of a pedestrian game, couple touchdowns, a little over 200 yards. But we look around the league, Drew Brees missed three passes yesterday. They dropped 51 points on the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, he has a couple more touchdown passes. Todd Gurley, 120 yards on the ground, another touchdown, having himself an incredible season. So, guys, am I tripping, or is Pat Mahomes no longer the runaway MVP candidate as we finish Week 10? Man, you know, that's a tough question, but I'm going to say you're tripping. I mean, the dude has 31 touchdown passes already. He's been balling. Now, he has to finish strong. He's going to have some tough opponents coming up in the latter part of the season after their bye, and they face the Rams next week. So that's going to be a tough test. But I think the dude is balling right now, and you brought up some good points, man. Drew Brees and Sean Payton are the perfect married couple. I mean, the way Sean Payton – just designs plays and hawk it is very disappointing to see how bad the Bengals are playing right now yeah the Bengals aren't playing good because aj's not there i mean that's that offense the entire team runs through aj green so when he's not there we know what Bengals we're going to get absolutely because i threw aj's first touchdown pass so yeah so clearly you made his career you're, you're <laughs> exactly. the reason why the Bengals aren't playing well but back to the the, the mahomes things. i don't think he's the runaway mvp anymore i still think he's the leader Yes, Breeze is trying to get his first MVP, and like he understands what that means for his legacy. Gurley is obviously balling. I don't think people will give it to a running back, even though Gurley is balling out of control, especially with all the talent around him. But I will say the person that is probably the biggest threat to Breeze's chances at MVP is probably Phillip Rivers, and nobody's talking about that. But imagine how pissed Drew Breeze will be if, with the season he's having Phillip Rivers continues to like on his trajectory and he ends up winning the MVP over Breeze. You think Breeze would hate Phillip Rivers? <laughs> yeah, like, especially especially they have a they have a long history together with Rivers k- kicking them out of um San, San Diego. Di- exactly, oh. man. That would but be uh terrible. That would be a terrible ending to an incredible legacy for Breeze. <laughs> I'm not I'm not championing for it. I think actually Breeze right now, if, if if I had to pick an MVP right now, I think they gave it to Drew Breeze over Mahomes because they say that, that nothing else should go into account. But I think people want Breeze to have his, his yeah. MVP before he leaves. He is ball and his team is playing great. Well, but Mahomes is just a different player than we've seen in a long time. Yeah, and, and I do hate the fact when people say, oh, Mahomes, you know, he's still young. Look, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, you should be credited for what you're doing right now. And Drew Brees is the golden boy. I mean, we all love to see him win these accolades and break all these records and, and this and that. And and he's and he is having an outstanding year. So I'd be super thrilled if Drew Brees does end up winning it uh, for the right reasons. And he is balling now. 
All right, guys, final one. Uh, we always talk about Aaron Rodgers when we talk about Green Bay, and he had a lot to do with their win yesterday. But Aaron Jones, running back for the Packers, 145 yards on the ground, two touchdowns as the Packers sort of destroyed the Dolphins yesterday. Guys, am I tripping, or is Aaron Jones the best Packers running back they've had in like a decade? You're definitely tripping there. <laughs> I don't know. Do they have? I don't feel like the Packers have had a bunch of good running backs over the years. At least he's actually wearing a running back number. Yeah, he's definitely not a receiver, so that helps. Well, Ty Montgomery <laughs> used to just confuse me. Every time I watch the games, I'm like, gosh, man, what? this just doesn't look right wearing 88 in the backfield. <laughs> but I think, I mean, the more Green Bay can run the football, that's just going to make Rodgers that much better. I mean, Rodgers throws for 199 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. So it really takes the pressure off him when you have a running game like that when your back Aaron Jones averaged nine yards a carry. Um, and they just rolled the Dolphins. Who knows what's going on down in Miami as well? It's just frustrating. Does Amon Green count as the last decade? Yeah, probably. Because last season there was 2009. And don't he, love him just because just he was the, the broadcast boot camp with us now. No, I'm, he's the all-time <laughs> leading rusher for the Packers organization with 8,322 yards. So it's hard to be like, oh, yeah, Aaron no. Jones, you're better than Amon Green. But whatever. What we got next, firm? That is it for this edition of Am I Tripping? Ooh, it was spicy per usual. This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, shouldn't your printer be smart too? It is with HP+. These printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, any time you want. Huh, that is pretty smart. Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com slash smart for details. All right, segment four, we're going to talk some QBs with Bruce. Bruce, why doesn't Jared Goff get any credit in the Rams offense? You know, I think people just see what Sean McVay has done since he got there, and Sean McVay has resurrected his career. Honestly, when Goff gets this extension, he owes McVay about 10% of that. And I'm just being real, Hawk. I mean, I would happily pay a coach if he resurrected my career like that. And But I also think the things that are that's making Goff really good this year is he's making off-schedule type throws. Like he's getting through his progressions, but he's also like sliding up in the pocket and kind of shifting to his right and throwing it off balance. Like those are plays that I see a Big Ben make or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady where it's not perfectly designed, but you're still making the play. He struggled a little bit Sunday with a few missed throws, but overall the dude is playing very well. He's executing the offense like no other. And I also think it isn't just McVay. I think McVay has played a huge part in this, but some of the throws I see Goff making is off rhythm and it's it's impressive to watch, but when you have a running back like Todd Gurley behind you and some of the weapons he has and the defensive front that they have, you can be aggressive with the ball. You know if you if you score points, take care of the football, you're going to win a lot of games. Bruce, is not a sorcerer in the world that could resurrect your career. Why doesn't Pat Mahomes also owe a percentage of his money to Andy Reid? Like, if, that, if that's your take, that Goff owns Sean McVay, and let me first off say I agree. But shouldn't we say the same thing about the Andy Reid offense at Mahomes? Absolutely, because if Andy Reid doesn't move up in the draft to get Mahomes, and then if he doesn't ship off Alex Smith to give Mahomes this opportunity, absolutely. I think I should take a percentage of your contract, anything you ever make, because you're not, you're not who you are without me. Well, and Hawk, I mean, we, we probably should go back to the A.J. Green stuff then. You know, since I <laughs> yeah. did throw him his first touchdown yeah. pass. <laughs> We're just going to take percentages of every player we've ever met. Like, I met him once, so he owes me 10%. Are you buying stock in Mr. Trubisky? He's, he's thrown for three or more tubs in three different games this year. I like watching the dude play. I think he's athletic. He runs with poise. He knows when to run. And that's, that's a tough call because yesterday's game, when I watched him, there's some wide-open guys. And I don't know if it was the Lions or that bad or – you know, Matt Nagy is just dialing up these plays like McVay and Kyle Shanahan to get these guys wide open. But I look at uh, Trubisky threw a deep ball down the right sideline. He threw it off time. He threw it kind of late and even a little short. But it was just a terrible job by the Lions D-back. But I think Trubisky is making plays. I do like him as a young quarterback. I am buying stock because he's athletic. He can move in the pocket, make throws on the run. Uh, he just has to be more accurate on throws he should hit inside the pocket. Tell me this. Did, did Gruden ruin Derek Carr? 
Man, you, you know, that is a great question because right Ooh, now, sounds like you're buying time, buddy. <laughs> wow. That question is one of the best questions. <laughs> Answer, Bruce. Did, Gruden, did he ruin Derek Carr? Hawk. He's, <laughs> he's definitely in Derek Carr's mind right now. It's hard. When you play with John Gruden, the thing I love about Gruden, he taught me so much, and you have so many weapons at your disposal as far as what kind of plays you could get to and check to and audible to. But also, you tend to think too much when you play. And Derek Carr is in that, at that point right now. He has to get back to just reacting and playing football. He can get over this hump because I do feel like Gruden needs a franchise quarterback. I think Carr is his guy. Gruden also has to be able to communicate properly with him. So, no, I don't think he's ruined him. I think there's a lot of t time left with these two. You've got to continue to build the pieces around. And, Hawk, you've been on teams, too where it's hard, man, because once you get down in football games and you have a losing record, the, the guys on the team, you automatically think, ah, oh, man, we're going to lose again. You know, so they yeah. got to flip that mindset. They got too many veterans. I always say veterans know the ship is sinking before anybody else. Like when I was in Cleveland and we were 0-14 in 2016, <laughs> we were still going to practice. <laughs> All the rookies, they were still practicing their ass off because they had no they did They didn't know any better. They thought this is like – they don't have a choice. So they were like, me and Joe would look at each other like, oh, man, these guys have no idea. And it, made, it would motivate, motivate us and help us get through the practices because they were still working so hard. They didn't realize we weren't any good. But the veterans always know. Or like Within the first four games of the season, the veterans know if the team sucks or not. And there's way too many veterans in Oakland because they all noticed right away. Well, and that's why you got to give your man, Joe Thomas, so much credit, man. Playing his whole career with the Browns, going to work every day, you know, playing over 10,000 snaps in a row. The, the dude is a beast. I agree, man. All right, last one. This, is, this will take us right into the prolific Tomahawk weekend that was this past Sunday. Baker Mayfield, probably the best game of the season versus the Falcons. What are your thoughts on how he's developed? I think Baker Mayfield's a baller, and I've said it from day one. I'm a fan of his because he has that poise in the pocket to make necessary throws when you need to, to convert on third downs, two-minute drills, end-of-game situations. I liked what he did yesterday. And Freddie Kitchens, I mean, who the heck is Freddie Kitchens? He played quarterback at Alabama. He was with Bruce Arians a little bit. Um, so I think being with Bruce Arians, he's coached running backs. He's coached quarterbacks. He bounced around. So he's seen a variety of different coaches and offensive schemes. So I was kind of – I was impressed with their game plan. I'm not going to lie. I like the aggressive play calling when they're backed up, throwing a deep comeback. That's good for quarterbacks because sometimes those 18 to 20-yard throws are easier than quick game or screens to execute when you're backed up. Right. I, think, I think the thing that was impressive, though, too, is Mayfield was playing very decisive and fast. I mean, the check down over the ball that went for a touchdown, he got to that check down so fast he knew exactly what he wanted. And the guy, if he could continue doing that, and also his other touchdown when he scrambled out to his right, it's very hard to sprint hard to your right and throw an accurate football down the field as you're kind of falling off to the right. And he did that, and that's what he does so well. Um, and, and, and another guy that's one of the best ever at it is Ben Roethlisberger throwing on the run and making those uh, off-rhythm type throws. And Mayfield does it, man. So it was good to see the Browns getting in rhythm. But, you know, they just they have to develop him. And so it's going to be this next hire that's going to be key for the Browns. And, shoot, I don't know if Freddie Kitchens and um, – is the guy or not but uh from from what i saw this weekend it was pretty impre impressive outing for the browns yeah man i mean he's 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 using what they have he's using playing to the strength of the team strength playing to the strengths of baker mayfield here's my last my last question for you bruce i don't know if you noticed but we're in a quest to get natty ice her uh three thousand dollar coffee maker that joe uses and i will put 300 bucks towards it no i will put 500 bucks towards her coffee maker right now if in the next 20 seconds you can name me three Packers in the top 10 all time for their franchise rushing. Amon Green. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. Well, I want her to get that coffee. <laughs> ten, 10 seconds left, Bruce. Um.
Yes, we got the coffee maker. <laughs> and fail. You could have said Paul Paul Hornig. Is that how you say it? Hornung from Knight, the quarterback. Is he like a quarterback slash uh, running back? He's still in the top ten all time. Um, Ryan Grant is number five. Would have been probably the only other guy you knew. Bro, we appreciate you, man, per usual. It's time now to kick to our guy, Joe Thomas. So before we go, Bruce, you got any final thoughts? Well, I love what Ma- Baker Mayfield said yesterday, how he just woke up feeling dangerous. That's yes. Just, he's a savage. Yeah. I mean, in your life, Bruce, have you ever woke up felt and felt dangerous? I can't imagine you did. I know I, you personally, I, so. No, Hawk, I really did, you know, but I don't know <laughs> if it worked out for me like it did for Mayfield. <laughs> yeah, it was usually dangerous for the team you're playing for. Bro, we love you, man. Uh, I'll, I'll gather with the Tomahawk heads and see if we'll ever have you back or if we need to go find another quarterback guru, but I think you did okay. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you letting me pay to come on here. <laughs> yes, please. Make sure that check gets it by Monday or if you there will be lawyers. I'm so glad we're friends. This episode is brought to you by Hello Sign, a Dropbox company. Sign documents 80% faster with HelloSign, the quickest way to get e-signatures for every type of document, so you can celebrate all those successful moments sooner. If you hate waiting for signatures, HelloSign is music to your ears. Try it for free today at HelloSign.com. Joe, what's up, man? We're fresh off of a Tomahawk victory right now, just grinding the midnight oil right now, making sure we have audio recapping what just happened. The good luck charms of the Cleveland Browns. Joe, walk us through what what just happened in Cleveland. Well, what you saw was the most epic upset of all time, and that was brought to you by the Tomahawk Show. Of course, they couldn't have done it without uh, the two of us there rooting them on and cheering them on and leading them, really, to a great victory over the Atlanta Falcons, who uh, the Browns, I'll tell you what, they made the Falcons look like the Browns from a couple years ago that couldn't win a game. They uh, were able to stop them. Somehow they were able to stop that vaunted passing attack from Matt Ryan. And the Browns' offense looked pretty dynamite. Baker Mayfield, I don't think the ball hit the ground until the second half for him. And that was pretty exciting, man. It, it reminded me of that 7-4 and four team that we were on when we went down to Atlanta and uh, beat them in overtime before the wheels fell off for like the next two and a half years. And they fell off mightily. So, Joe, we were, were in First Energy Stadium at the Browns game. They are definitely the underdogs to a hot Falcons team. Some of the best plays. What I think they did best for Baker Mayfield, who was on fire most of the game, was they were getting plays to get him out of the ball. That's the one thing the, off, the offensive coordinator that they put at the helm has done well, is he's getting the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hands quicker, especially to the running backs. Who, that's their strength position. It, you know, when Todd Haley was there, that's why fans would, would be so livid because they were like, yo, we have this heavy, talented backfield, and they're not getting the ball nearly enough. That's what they started doing. The offense is clicking more, and you see it today. They went crazy. You nailed it. When we were in pregame doing the Browns Countdown TV show, you talked about how much of a home run threat Nick Chubb is. And being able to get him the ball like backed up and have him go 90 yards, which was an unbelievable run, one of the greatest runs I've ever seen in my entire life, being able to get through the line of scrimmage, using his vision, using his speed, some of his quickness, and his uh, physical running skills, and then all of a sudden breaking into the open field and then just outrunning anybody. Like, that was just incredible, and I think it totally encapsulated the skill set that Nick Chubb plays with. Dude, I, I think this offense is like, there are one accountable Josh Gordon away from being one of the best offenses in the league. Because like you said, imagine a world where you're changing both of your backs, right? That's the NFL is like in a change of pace where you need two running backs. You need your Sunday, you need your lightning. And we have two guys that can take it the distance every time they touch the ball and Duke Johnson and Nick Chubb. You know, when we get in that red zone, they're checking down these guys and they're getting in the end zone. That's special, man. And Jarvis Landry is one of the most dependable receivers. Like I said, Baker Mayfield, dude, I can't say enough about him, but when you watch him, he does not feel like a rookie. Such a command of offensive football. He's hitting it in tight windows. He's being smarter with the football, which is what happens when you work at it and you just get that in-game development that we're watching before our very eyes. If they add just one do-it-all receiver with speed and kind of has all the physical tools, I think this offense could be really special. Well, they're definitely back on the right track. They had a little lull there with Baker, I think, uh, about four weeks ago. 
but since they got rid of Todd Haley and put Freddie Kitchens there in charge, and they got Duke Johnson more involved. That offense has looked outstanding. Baker's more comfortable, and he's back to being the exciting Baker that we saw when he first started on Thursday Night Football against the Jets. Also, Higgins. I got. I would be remiss if I didn't give Higgins a shout-out because he's becoming one of those very, very dependable slot leadership types. You've seen him get into it with the DB in the middle of the game mm. because he was blocking him too hard. Like, just having that one-two, man, having that attitude, you have to play with that in the National Football League, and Higgins has it. I think he's a guy that's going to be a, a, a stellar Cleveland Brown for years to come, man. Hollywood, man, you just like him because he's like your little brother. He's like modeling everything he does <laughs> after you. So I feel like that's a, a little biased on your part. It's definitely biased, but it's a formula that works. I remember when he was a rookie. He wasn't <laughs> the most touted one we brought in. And we had, you know, Ricardo Lewis, who was on IR this year. We had Corey Coleman. We had Jordan Payton. And Higgins was a guy that kind of clung to me because I'm like, dude, you know, the, the my limitations aren't his limitations. But the things that people raved about for me, you know, as I work hard, I was dependable. Um, I was going to be, you know, do everything right. They would never have to worry about me. So I look at a guy like Higgins who has more natural ability. He's a bigger guy, a bigger target. And I'm like, if you do those same things, you could set yourself up really well. And if that's anything, right? If, if, if the most talented guy in the world did things like be dependable, work your butt off all the time, be a guy people could count on in any situation, everybody could maximize their value. So he was a guy that, that took it and was like, yes, I'm going to do that. Hawk. We talked like constantly about that when he was a rookie and as he's continued to develop. So to see him do that now and him finally be that guy, it's like a testament, not only him, but to the process. And that's, you're right. I am a little biased to him, but that's okay. And I'm sure Cleveland Browns fans are happy about it too. Yeah. It's a good time to be a Cleveland Browns fan, buddy. But for anyone who's, Living under a rock. The Browns bought me and Joe, brought me and Joe in as honorary captains, dog pound captains, and it, we were tasked with getting this crowd hype in the stadium. So they flew us in. They rolled out the red carpet for the Tomahawk Show because they knew if there's one way we can win, it's by getting the Tomahawk Squad in the building. That's what happened. We pumped the crowd up. They played all of my highlights from my career. Over a thousand touchdowns <laughs> scored as a Cleveland Browns. Everyone got – it motivated the team. The team, like, they were supposed to be watching their plays, and they looked up at the Jumbotron and seen all the Tomahawk fandom. They seen the videos, and they were like, hey, these two guys, they never lost to the Falcons together. And they took it. They were motivated by it. And that's what happened, man. Baker was like, you know what? I got to be – play like a Tomahawk today. And that's, that's exactly what they did. They got the W <laughs> – we're 100% any game we go to, we win. So any team across any league, we are for hire. Just give us money, and, and we'll make it happen. I did think that that was the motto I heard in the locker room. The cry was play like a tomahawk going out there, and they certainly did. They did not disappoint. Uh, but it was pretty interesting. I don't know if you saw it, Hawk, but there seemed like there was a lot of Falcons fans at that game early on especially. Yeah, I, that, that's surprising. I didn't realize the Falcons traveled that well. But they had a lot of fans there, which is surprising because I don't feel like they do well in the cold. I feel like the Falcons were more cold than anything. And in Cleveland, you know, 40 degrees is a summer day in November. <laughs> yeah, it actually wasn't a bad day. It was like 40 degrees and sunny. Uh, not a lot of wind, but those Falcons players definitely did not look at home when they were not playing in the dome. Yeah, man. And you know what else? Who, why wasn't Nat there? Can we talk about why Nat didn't join us? We had a ticket for... I think we need we, to get into it. Yeah, I agree. It only makes sense because that's, that's the reaction we got on Twitter. Like, where is uh, Ask Nat at? Where is Fat Nat? And we had a ticket for her. We had our first-class flight. Actually, Joe sprung for a, a private jet just to make sure she got there on time. But last minute, she calls us and says she can't make it because she was on a date. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of funny. I uh, <clears throat> was a little concerned for Nat's safety because... You know, who would turn down the Tomahawk show? I mean, when you have an opportunity like this, when you're given that platform that we were given to motivate this yes. piece of victory, and then for some reason they don't show up, all you can think of is, like, something happened really bad. Like, we need to go look for her. Maybe she went off uh, gallivanting looking for NFD. Like, we thought maybe we'd lost another member of the Tomahawk family yeah. to some type of ransom situation. <laughs> But actually, last night, we found out there was something a little bit different that happened. Nat, you can take the floor if you want and just walk us through what's going on right now okay. in your life. This is all 
fake news people fake news <laughs> i had no idea that there was a private jet that was going to be taking me to cleveland or else obviously i would have been there and been with my tomahawk squad i didn't know that that was a plan i didn't even know that hawk and joe were going to be like vip this weekend so i never really got the invite so since i didn't get the invite i said yes to a date oh man well before we get into that date let me tell you VIP for Joe Thomas in Cleveland is an understatement. I don't know. I don't think this guy pays for anything ever when he's in the city, number one. He can't go three feet without somebody yelling his name, asking for an autograph or a picture. I can see why Joe comes back here every week because Annie, his wife, I'm sure she's, she doesn't give him this kind of treatment because I don't get this kind of treatment from my wife. So I know Joe is like, where I want to be a superstar, I just walk back into Cleveland. And just because I know Joe Thomas, they don't make me pay for anything. It's amazing. Let me peel back the onion a little bit. There's a lot of things to talk about there. But first of all, in my house, we got a couple of dogs, and they're at the bottom of the totem pole, right? But then there's like about a six-foot gap, and then there's like the floor, and then there's the dirt on the floor, and then like <laughs> below that foundation is where I am at home. So I'm, I'm very, very uh, soundly at the bottom of the totem pole. So getting to come out here to Cleveland and enjoy a weekend with my man Andrew Hawkins definitely – it makes you feel like a king, especially when they roll out the red carpet the, the way they did for us. But let me tell you, you feel like a king in Cleveland in, in First Energy Field uh, in the stadium until you run into those deadly and vaunted Permar staff. Because after the game, <laughs> I was up in the suites doing some suite visits, and I got to watch the end of the game. And then, of course, like we always do, we had to get down onto the field after the game to do our tomahawk takeaways to give you a little 60 seconds behind the scenes of what we thought about the game. And so I'm trying to get back down on the field. And we had credentials for the game, but when we did the dog pound captain stuff, um, they took the credentials away because they didn't want these big passes, you know, flying in the wind, looking unprofessional, right? So after that happened, I never got it back from the person from the Browns that was helping me out, which isn't usually an issue because you're kind of going around with the Browns employees and most of the people recognize you from your playing days and they allow you to go into all the, you know, prohibited areas, the VIP areas that you need to pass usually, right? So after the game, I'm waiting for the elevator. The elevator's taking forever, so I'm just going to take the stairs. So I go down the stairs, and right before I get to the gate where you are able to get, like, underneath where the parking is, where the players park, where the families go, and where you can get down there to get on the field where I'm going to meet Hawk. And this Permar lady, like, stops me, and she's like, no, you need a pass. And I'm trying to explain to her, like, I had the pass, but because I was the honorary dog pond captain, they like took it away and they never gave it back to me because I don't need it. Like I, and, and you don't want to be that jerk like big time and like, Hey, don't you know who I am? And like all these fans are standing around and they were kind of giving the lady a hard time, which I felt bad about it. You know, she's just trying to do her job, but there's all these fans standing around going, come on, don't you know who he is? That's Joe Thomas. You need to let him go. Like he's just trying to go meet the, the great Tomahawk show. Haven't you ever heard of it? It's Emmy nominated. And she's like, no, I, I'm going to get in trouble if I let you go. I don't care who you are. You need a pass. And at that point, I had, like, a decision. Like, I was either just going to wait there forever because I had no ticket or pass. Like, there was literally nowhere for me to go. I could either just, like, bum rush and try to get past her and see what she's going to do or just, like, I guess wait there until the next week's game and hope that, like, somebody comes against me. Well, so I, I decided to kind of just keep going because there's all these people that were waiting, and now I was blocking traffic. So at that point, I just decided to like start going. But thankfully, Simon Galan, the famous one-man army, the most famous director of football ops guy in the NFL, his wife was standing right there with her daughter. And she's like, oh. Joe, I'm so sorry. I have an extra wristband for you that will let this lady like get off your, your butt because she had already called for security backup, which <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I was going to be the guy getting tased that was going to go viral. And at that point, I realized maybe I should just let myself get tased because what could make for better podcasting and better oh. Instagramming than watching me get tased to my untimely death and then falling down the stairs <laughs> at First Energy Stadium? What a missed opportunity. I wish we would have tased you. I wish somebody would have tased you for the sake of the show. It, it reminds me of earlier in the game when we were standing on the sidelines and the Browns had just scored. Nick Chubb scored one of his touchdowns. And we were all hyped. We were, like, going crazy, high-fiving. The fans were so excited. The people on the sideline were going to ape crap. 
And Hawk says to me, hey, man, if they would have scored right here in this side of the end zone, I would have run out there and celebrated with them. 100%. I said, you see that cop right there, that taser? If he wouldn't have pulled out his taser and tased you, I would have done it. So think about we missed two big opportunities to actually make this show popular. And I feel like Michael Jordan, though, the only shots you miss are the ones you don't take. Yeah, you're right. We should have we should have did it. The funniest the funniest part to me is when we first got to the stadium. Now, stadiums are like the White House. There's security everywhere. There's dogs sniffing bags. You cannot get to the stadium without going basically through rigorous measures to ensure safety. That's if you're Joe, if you're not Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas, we get to the stadium. There's a big, huge metal metal detector that there was an easier in the door. They said, "Hey, you have to you have to walk through the metal detector." So I put my, my wallet, my phone, my keys in there, but my walkthrough. So Thomas, who's on, like, talking, he walks by, doesn't budge, doesn't take anything out of his pocket, walks, walks <laughs> right to the metal detector. It gives a loud beep, like, clearly there's metal on you. Clearly, Joe looks, like, looks over his shoulder, just keeps walking. Secure doesn't say anything to him because they're scared. I'm like, Joe, you can't just be walking through metal detectors. But, of course, he's Joe Thomas. He's not stopping for anybody right onto the field. Thank God that I patted him down once we got out there because who knows what this dude was capable of. Yeah. Thank goodness when you got a big, strong, hulking man like Andrew Hawkins with you that looks like a bodyguard. You can just exactly. get away with it. Like you're you're important enough that you have a bodyguard. Clearly we know you're packing heat and it's for your own protection and you're not gonna cause any problems. But obviously let's get back to the most important part of the night because as cool as it was being out there, being dog pound captains, getting back into the city that we love, into the stadium, watching the, the, the team that we love so much and seeing their best performance of the year thanks to the Tomahawk Show, last night was the most epic part of this entire weekend <laughs> for me. That, like we said, was on a first date, and it was very memorable because I felt like Tomahawk Show was there with him because the text chain was going absolute bananas the entire night. And that was trying to enjoy her first date with this fine young gentleman that the Tomahawk show does not trust, by the way, because anybody that's going to take fat Matt, Matty ice away from Tomahawk show is not okay with us. Matt, is he going to get a second date? I think he might get a second date, but he is a little scared because I was giving him a play-by-play of all these text (laughs) messages that you guys were sending. And I think he got a little nervous and scared because you guys were like my super overprotective uncles or dads. And he's just like, (laughs) I don't know what to do. I don't know if I'm going to be allowed to go on another date with you or else I'm just going to get bashed again by these guys. I'm like, well, you know, you'll you'll have to take me to a Laker game next time, I guess, instead of a Clipper game. That might help. Oh, wow. Yeah, what was up with that? Why would he spring for a Clipper game instead of a Laker game? Whose idea was that? It's a good question. I don't know, but it was actually a good game because it went into overtime, so extra basketball. Can we interview him on the Tomahawk show so we can get to the bottom of this date? Yeah, you can. Not only did he get in the way of what we were doing here in Cleveland and she couldn't come because this date was so important, he sprung for Clippers tickets instead of Lakers. You know, that's obviously the, the opening act of L.A. sports. And then I, you know, I, I think overall, me and Joe just don't trust the guy, if I'm being honest, Matt. Yeah, and I definitely need your guys' approval for anybody I date, so you guys can vet him. Yeah, perfect, perfect. <laughs> so what I, I would like to really know, though, is, like, we, we first of all, we, we found out about this date as Hawk and I had maybe consumed, Hawk consumed a few too many Mountain Dews that night, and I yeah. maybe had a few too many 73 Colches. I was enjoying a quiet dinner by myself. And all of a sudden, the tomahawk text chain goes crazy. And we start finding out that Matt's on a date, so she's not interacting with us. So there's, like, six crazy old guys, like, harassing <laughs> Matt on her date. And uh, how, what I really want to know is, how did this date come about? Like, we had this big conversation last week on the show about Tinder and all those other dating sites that I can't even remember what they're called right now. but. Uh, you had mentioned that you'd never been on them and you just prefer to meet people through friends. So how did you meet this fine young man? So, well, yeah, see, like I said, I haven't been on the dating sites and actually we got some pretty funny stories from when I asked people on Twitter what their best dating stories are, but we'll talk about that on the next show. But yeah, no, I haven't 
done the dating site and you guys probably can ask him more questions yourself when you talk to him. Yeah, oh, we're going to have excellent. more on the show. Was there any truth to the rumor you found him on FarmersOnly.com? I might have found him on FarmersOnly. I mean, you know, you know how many people had answered my my poll with, "Oh, you forgot Farmers Only." Oh no way. Yeah, I'm like, well, I don't live in Ohio. Is that like an Ohio thing? Maybe Wisconsin. You haven't seen those commercials? Oh no, I mean, I know what Farmers Only is, but I'm just like, because. Like, yeah, I mean, I got, I have an account. I'm just asking why. <laughs> yeah. Can well, you imagine hey, if some his... old, like, lonely woman farmer matched with Hawk and, like, without <laughs> seeing a picture of him or, like, talking to him, showed up at, like, a date and there was Hawk <laughs> sitting there in two hoodies. By the way, he was wearing two hoodies to the game and his own <laughs> yeah. jersey. It made me a little uncomfortable hanging out with him. Oh, my God. That's why funny. would they give me my own? They made me wear my own jersey at the game and didn't give Joe one. It made zero sense. Like you guys should have worn, you guys should have worn each other's jersey jerseys. Off. That would have been that would have been funny. Yeah. But why Why was I wearing my own jersey? Probably because they were like, no one's going to recognize you if you don't have your jersey. <laughs> <laughs> they have when I no idea what you look like. I I told Andrew what he needs to do is sign his own jersey to Andrew. Thanks for being my biggest fan. <laughs> Andrew Hawkins, 16. And that would have been the best collector's item ever because he could have framed it and then I could have presented him on the show with his own jersey signed to himself framed. I think <laughs> that would be the best Christmas gift Tom Hawk show could ever give. That's the next level of humility right there. I have a question. Yeah. But, is Twitter considered a dating app? Is that how you hmm. met this guy? Is that Did he hop in the DM, Matt? <laughs> Tell maybe, me that. Did he? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Hmm. Do you think you're... Superstardom as a podcaster had anything to do with him wanting to hop in the DM? Um, I'm gonna go ahead and say no to that one. <laughs> but here's the thing, Matt: Has he ever heard this podcast? He, I yes, I would say he has. No okay, so. way! Oh, that is news. <laughs> we have news. What, what you have to realize is this podcast is essentially a glimpse into your personality. He could be playing to all the things you said on the show, so. He's oh, just—he's no. jersey chasing right now, is what he is. He sees stars <laughs> in his eyes, man. This is what happens when you become a superstar. We have to teach you these things. People's motives become skewed. You never know what they're into this for. I think he's after your money and your fame. <laughs> oh my god! He wants—he wants some of that coffee maker. He wants some of the coffee <laughs> out of that three thousand dollar coffee maker that you're gonna get. Which I am gonna get because my lineup is in. Oh, well, is it top fifty? I haven't more checked, importantly, but I know that it's in. <laughs> I, I think we need to give the viewers a little bit of knowledge about what happened last night and why now Nat only needs to be in the top 50 to win her coffee maker to be able to become so wealthy that she has now young men just throwing themselves jersey chasing yeah. for all of her wealth and power. Yes, we should get yeah. a glimpse into our Tomahawk group chat. So Not, not too much of a glimpse, but I'll give the background <laughs> to the fans. <laughs> Joe was out eating a, a, a 15 course meal per usual. The dude like just kept screenshotting new meals. And I'm like, yo, you're going to be 350 again if you continue to eat like this tonight. Yeah, we definitely so, got like 10 different photos of like yeah. different pastas and different meals. I'm like, yo, how many dinners are you going to eat? I would have been full seven plates ago. So anyway, in one of his pictures, he had what was the, I, I don't know what the meal was. It's meat and cheese. I don't I don't eat just. It's called a. It's, like a, a, it's, a it's a charcuterie platter, right? It's meat, okay. cheese, and like toasted bread. It's delicious. It's what rich people eat. All right, Hawk. Yeah, I, like I I'm not rich. All about this. I'm black, so we don't just eat cheese. That's just not like a meal. <laughs> um, but it's he's not like, a yo, yeah. Unless it's not my <laughs> cheeseburger, I'm good. So he's like, yeah. Hawk, you get five chances to name what this cheese is. If you hit it, I would just buy Nat the coffee maker. So off the gate, I go with provolone. I don't know. It looks like something. He probably knew I was going there. I didn't get it. I get four chances. I don't name any of them. On the fifth one, I get it right. Boom. Manchego, is that what it was? That's right. It was, it was a manchego, which is my favorite type of cheese. I'm a huge fan. I'm like a, a weirdo cheese guy. And I knew Hawk would have no chance. But I only gave him two minutes because I knew he'd be like frantically Googling different names of white cheeses and miraculously the Hail Mary on the fifth chance he texts back Manchego to the group 
and my jaw hit the floor and I, I was so stunned. Instantly, all I could think <laughs> about was the, uh, the Cavs versus Warriors Twitter bet that I, that I, uh, <laughs> welched on. And was I going to welch on another bet with Matt and her coffee maker? The key was inside the Tomahawk, somebody else said if they guessed it, will he at least let Matt get to the top 50? And, but it didn't matter because I guessed it for the jackpot. But I did come clean to him that it actually wasn't another person in the group chat, Matty Means, the guy who is in charge of our social media, former pro baseball player, another cheese guy, if you can imagine what he's into. <laughs> he texts me on the side and says, this man, Chago. That's where I got the guess from. So as a compromise, she doesn't win the jackpot of the cheese, but she does get to, if she gets in the top 50 on the, on the DraftKings Tomahawk Listener League, she gets her coffee maker. Deal, Joe, or are you going to flake on this too? Yeah, I, I think we can agree to that. I think that's kind of a nice compromise, especially since the, the rules and the surrounding uh, circumstances that were swirling around this bet were a little bit, uh, a little bit cloudy. Let's let's say, uh, like our uh, mentality that evening, uh, everything was a little cloudy, <laughs> a little too much Mountain Dew, sugar high, and I'm a former Patriot, so you know I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I can to get the W. That's just how I do things. So. <laughs> he cheated. So there you go. Like Nat, can look again. <laughs> Nat can look forward to finally cashing on that coffee maker. Hopefully she'll put forth the effort, um, much like our buddy put forth the effort on his date. Um, not very well. But, yeah, so awesome time at the game. I think that pretty much wraps it up. Joe is now going hunting. Am I right, Joe? Yeah, I've got, you know, more important things to do here than the Tomahawk show, which there, there's not many more mm. things that are important. Of course, I feel like we need to dig a little bit deeper into uh, Natty Ice and her date and how I, – I, what I'd really like to know before before we let this go till the next show, i got to know, like, Hawk and I, we both outkicked our coverage. Like, being famous podcasters, obviously the women come running, and we yeah, were able easy. to totally marry up. Like, the, our wives are way so much better than us. But being our, our status as Emmy Award-winning podcasters, you're able to outkick your coverage, right? So now that Matt is in that same category as we are, was this gentleman an outkick her coverage situation, being mm. that he DM'd her on social media, and now she's famous? So we need to hear a little bit more uh, flavor on that stuff. What, what do you mean by that? Outkick your Come coverage on. means that my wife is a lot hotter than I am. I don't deserve her, but since I am more, since, since I became famous and I was people look to the Tomahawk show, it gave me a chance. We see it all the time. Ugly, successful guys can get good looking counterparts. That's the the story of me and Joe. Because of our status, we were able to outkick our coverage, meaning we reached yeah, a little the bottom line. That we probably should have. Here here's the bottom line. Hawk and I are fives, our wives are tens. The only way that happens is if we're able to bridge that five-point gap with five stellar points of the Tomahawk show. Is he hotter than he's supposed to be for you? Is it because you're a superstar now? <laughs> no, you he get might, your pick he, of the litter of men. He might be. He actually might even be more famous than I am. So. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Wow! More famous. I'm telling you, there's so a lot. Like of, a... There's a lot of layers to this, but it's still new, wow. so we have to like. We have to really dig uh, deep before we get into the details. But he, might be, more, he might be more famous than I am. So this when might be know. a celebrity couple situation where you guys it get like a nickname. Be. Are we going to open up Us Weekly next week? My uh, subscription, <laughs> is, I give it every week. And we're going to see you guys on the cover with like a, a nickname, like a Brangelina or something like that? Yeah, but I want you guys to come up with a nickname, so. Okay, well, we got to figure out his name first. Well, we, so let's start. Yeah, we need to know who he is. We'll, 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 we'll wait there. We'll wait for yeah. the second date to figure out his identity, and then we're going to have him as a guest on the Tomahawk. If he's famous, then he helps us boost ratings. So we're, then, then we're all in. We'll change our tune. We're like the dad who finds out the guy that his daughter is dating is rich, and then is like his best friend. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, I love this guy. Oh, he's the like a second son to me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, so perfect. Joe? You gotta go hunt, enjoy. I skipped last week because I'm a I'm a I'm a face model and everybody wants to <laughs> take pictures of me. You're skipping to go hunt. What are you hunting? What are you, we're going what are you we're going after ducks. Week? You know we we've got uh, four kids at home now. We need to feed them good, a uh, wild caught protein. So we're going after some delicious ducks. Okay, I I couldn't even tell you where to begin to go find ducks that you're you're able to shoot and kill. All right, we've covered a, a lot here in this. 
um, grinding version of the Tomahawk. We had to make sure we got it in. Excuse the audio, but the information is all that matters. Joe, know you're heading hunting. Any final thoughts? My final thoughts were, wow, what a wild weekend. I can't wait to talk back with you guys a little bit later in the week because we have so much to touch on that we have barely scratched the surface with this episode. All right, have fun killing Donald and Daffy Duck, man. You, you, you <laughs> lost it. Nat, take thank, us out. Thank you very much. Joe, hawk yourself. <laughs>